Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead. It's a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be wrapping up our discussion of Ulysses, which is again James Joyce's 1922 novel about Dublin and Telemachus, Ulysses, the Odyssey, rubbing one out, and <laughs> Ireland. And and poop too, right? Yeah. yeah, and lots of and and poop. Uh fluids. In general, I think it's a um aquatic novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a word. Yeah. A jizzy aquatic. It's humid. <clears throat> humid. It's not Florida humid. It's just Dublin humid. It's tumescent. Mm. Um it's certainly tumescent. Anyway, Katie, why did you why did you want to finish it having begun it as a gesture of spite? Well, let me tell you. This past week I had the strangest dream. I dreamed that I took ketamine <laughs> and wandered around Epcot Center's Ireland in a fog, <laughs> lost. And and you were there. And you were there too, Megan. And I woke up and I realized I wasn't dreaming. That I had finished Ulysses. <laughs> <laughs> this this book absolutely should be called Stroke Simulator, by the way. Yeah. Um, because that is what it is. But now uh, my brain is Galaxy. <laughs> I am the Matrix. I am the President. I am James Joyce. I am Homer. You can fart in my mouth if you want to. I'm not scared. <laughs> no. I am fucking Kim Kardashian. I'm going to law school. And I'm never bathing again because that's how geniuses do it. This is true. I do night walks. I'm drunk all the time. <laughs> I do everything alone. Because no one will talk to me. <laughs> I am the universal, the transcendent James Joyce Stan. <laughs> I'm converted. Your fake, your fake dad will talk to you. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. My therapist, does, I pay him to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's tell him how much he makes you think of Leopold Bloom next time you see Stuart. I sure won't. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not really a compliment. I think, right? <laughs> Um, I mean, it could be worse amongst modernist characters, I guess. But uh, I mean, it's it's better than like Jake Barnes or Bilbo Bobbins or whatever the <laughs> characters in the Sun Also Rises. And anyone in all of Faulkner. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're like the Great Gatsby and a father to me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Don't go in the swimming pool. <clears throat> Don't go in the swimming pool. Indeed. Uh, okay, so I mean, I love this book. I've made myself clear as a stand, but I also overestimated my capacity to read this week because well, I, well, well, <laughs> I know, right? Like, guess the who's shoe. at the bottom of the stack? <laughs> the shoe is on the other toilet. Yes, I had to deliver a lecture, and I had to do it sitting down. A la Mariah Carey, pregnant on QVC. Um, <laughs> it was a good lecture. It was, but it was not my finest moment of embodiment. It was <laughs> a little goofy. So, uh, so now I get to be like aquatic gestational body reading Ulysses, which is like sort of, sort of in keeping with the thing. But I still didn't do a very good job rereading it, so I'm sorry. And I've read it twice before, so it's not an emergency. But we'll see. We'll see how this goes, you guys. 
So you're a slacker and also bragging. Very interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I'm a slacker <laughs> and bragging and also like a massive couch-bound diva. Mm. <laughs> I love it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, hey, look, I am not going to spend uh, the 50 million hours it took to read the first 350 pages of this and then not finishing it. I, I think this is what dipshit economists refer to as the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, <laughs> That's right. They do. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, as I said, much like Katie last week, my point in doing this was to own Mayor Pete, not the other way around. So, if I just gave up, that would, you know, that would be pretty. Then he weak. would win. Uh, <laughs> but I will also say, I actually don't think the sunk, the sunk cost fallacy applies because I did really enjoy the second half of the book, like completely, completely honestly. Um, and I think it's much better than the first half of the book. I, and I, I mean, I, partially it's just, I think it's like formally, it does, it does interesting things that become fun to read in a way that like some of the other, you know, aspects of stream of consciousness aren't. I also like one thing I've noticed, like, that I'd love to talk about today is, yeah, I mean, so, okay, so stream of consciousness, a novel about thought, all that shit that people say about this is, I think, broadly true. But like what that means, like, like that doesn't, there's no stylistic coherence to that. It's like stream of consciousness in this like bonkers ass, like 150 page play scene or a, a chapter that he writes looks very different than like Molly Bloom's amazing reflections in, in chapter 18. So I, yeah, it just like it, I, I thought that that was super interesting, just all of the various ways the novel stylistically goes about doing kind of the same thing like you know giving some sort of voice to like the the id or the uh, just the messiness of the unconscious well because it has third person narration yeah that too right and it does it doesn't stay in like it's not all just in one character's head it's like in all kinds of different characters head sometimes in the same sentence yeah and so that's like why that's another thing that makes it hard is that we sort of are sufficiently experienced in first person a stream of consciousness, but in once we're in third, it, we start to feel differently about like, oh, is there a narrator here? Like, who's our narrator? What's this, you know? So, so that is part of what makes that hard too. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, That's like the seventeenth and eighteenth chapters are fucking great. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, chapter 18, which is, you know, Penelope, Molly's chapter. It's like, why can't this fucking book just be about Molly Bloom? She's like so much more <laughs> interesting. So interesting. Than, yeah, than yeah, Leopold. yeah. Let's just do the edit. No, but that chapter is dank too, because there's like all this stylistic shit going on. But there's also you really he really does like blow the religion wad at the end. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Really good. Like, that's <laughs> yes. really great and interesting in yeah. a lot of ways. So that's fun. Yeah. And, and we're let's not sell short chapter 15 because it's chapter 15 is amazing. insane. It's insane. Yeah. So we're going to take a slightly different structure today. We're going to focus on three chapters near the end. Chapter 15, which is uh, the play structure one. Chapter 17, Ithaca, which is the catechism one. And chapter 18, which is the Penelope and Molly Bloom chapter. We're going to talk about sex and sexuality, gender and being gendered and the the how you could get too drunk to function. So yeah. I'm going to give the summary of these last several chapters. There, there's not very many, but they're <laughs> I was going to say, and they're really compact. That's not true either. <laughs> but okay, some of them matter more. We're really going to be talking primarily today about 15, 17, and 18. And in chapter 14, that's where we stopped last time. So if you haven't listened to the first half of this, episode pair go listen to it 
but also like prepare yourself for what is the inevitable better than dead galaxy brain. I promise we're not high, even though it sounds like we are. Um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> it's a little early in the day for me. In So in chapter 14, Bloom visits the hospital where Mina Purefoy is giving birth. And finally, that's where he meets up with our hero, hmm? Stephen. Um, who's drunk and being generally Steven-y, which if you've read the first half is like a big whiny dildo who is sad about his actual dad mm-hmm. and also other stuff and mad at people for reasons that are not entirely clear. There's lots of like, this is one of those, you know, 90 themes to go with Ulysses if you made a list for your undergraduates. One of them would be like babies, pregnancy, gestation, omphalos umbilical cord, amniotic fluid, seas. That's the theme, one of the themes in this chapter. He loves the word omphalos. This is like, I'm stealing this from Maud Ullman, who's a big joy scholar. Um, Okay, so in 15, which is the Circe chapter, it's the one that's written like a play. And I think of it as having like a ton of walk-on characters, like random cameos, People showing up who've never showed up in this book before for no good reason. It, it's it makes me think that James Joyce's friends were all like, "Bro, can I be in your book?" And he was like, "Yes, absolutely, you yeah. can be in my book." Also, soap and bells are characters. Yes, <laughs> yes. As but no, no. This is like okay. So Megan, I think you're absolutely right that this is like his friends were like, "Oh, can I be in your book?" And then he's like, "I'm gonna put you in the chapter where everyone rides me like a horsey." Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, right. yeah that's right. <laughs> but you can all be in the book. Yeah, you can all be in the book, farting in my mouth. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then Stephen again is like, does the Stephen Dudley show and gets into a fight. Um, and gets punched. <laughs> which he's really that he made it through this much of the book without getting punched is amazing to me, yeah. honestly. Um, and Bloom sort of rescues him and the cops show up. And then in the next chapter, Bloom and Steven uh run into a drunk sailor called Murphy while they're in the cabin's shelter, and that's a- annoying. Sixteen is an annoying chapter to me. Maybe other people yeah. have it, it, it. He didn't need to do sixteen. It's boring. Cut it. It's a little boring. Yeah. We all are of the, this book could be edited better team. Um, But then we get to 17 and 18, which we we all love. 17 is the catechism chapter that is um, all little question and answer forms. Mm -hmm. And they're some of the most, from the most coherent to the most galaxy is all in this chapter. Yep. It's both like, oh, I, I suddenly get it, and also suddenly I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. And this is Joyce's favorite chapter. Like, So if you want a little like – there's no such thing as a skeleton key to this novel. I feel strongly about that. But there are helper keys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's it's also the chapter two, right, where like it looks like finally like Bloom and Steven are sort of becoming friends or whatever weird adoptive son relationship Bloom wants. And then Steven's like, hey, let me tell you this anti-Semitic joke. It's incredibly, like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very, yeah, okay. I do, but I, in the universal apparent, like apparent man bonding, if you get your dicks out and pee together. Yes. That's amazing. Yes, that's right. That's, right. that's how you truly become friends. Yeah. Apparently. That's this that's the book's idiom. Anyway. And Bloom is like, Steven, you should stay here because you're 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 a problem 
in public, but he doesn't. And he's like, <laughs> he walks off into the night to be Stephen E. somewhere else. And then Bloom has 30 pages of high thoughts in front of the blank wall of his kitchen. That's Leopold Bloom for you. Yep. Um, but then he goes to bed and he catches up with Molly in, in this, this like, I don't know, kind of sweet way. But the 18th and final chapter is the Penelope chapter. This is Tristan saying, why isn't this whole book Molly Bloom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that she has this, like, what I find to be tremendously relatable, not in content, but in form, which is, like, chatty can't sleep brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, like, um, it's free and direct. It's a version of stream of consciousness that's actually, I find, a little bit more hooky uh mm-hmm. even though it has no fucking punctuation yeah yeah and right and also it's the kind of thing too, it's like where you've been sort of like asleep and then someone wakes you up and like they just immediately go to sleep and you're sitting there like well fuck fuck and, you and you're, and you're kind of pissed <laughs> off because they are they woke you up but also that you're just like all right well i'm up now and this is what my brain is doing you know yeah I'd, li- I'd like to make an announcement never wake me up don't, Are you a grumpy pants? I am. As if you woke me up from a dead sleep, I would have a conversation with you just like I'm having right now. Just I'm like fully. I'm like awake <clears throat> immediately. Oh, but if you wake me up, I need to get a precise amount of sleep. <laughs> and if you wake me up, I'm gonna fucking punch you. <laughs> you are the it. grumpiest awoken person. I'm like, I'm a. I am emotionally stable, but on the inside, I'm very, I'm thinking about dumping you at that time. <laughs> don't wake me up. No matter what, don't wake Katie up. To the degree that we're using this show as your personal Tinder account, we should just note likes and dislikes. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a, can we put, uh, instead of the our show logo, can we just put a picture of me holding a fish I caught? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you think the fishing stuff is dumb. <laughs> well, you know, it's everything grows on me, you know? Well, you can we can have a picture of you a la Molly Bloom being mad that people keep slapping you on the ass. <laughs> yeah, that would be annoying. <laughs> okay, so she's having can't sleep brain and she has these like lovely she's again like free associating and uh, she has these memories of being with Millie, their daughter, who actually comes up in this book all the time. But we never actually meet her, though, right? We like, never meet her, no. Yeah. I mean, she comes up uh, – the other character who's not a character is Rudy, who's their son who has died. And that's uh, part of what we think of as being the magnets that bring Stephen toward Bloom, mm-hmm. is the missing father and the missing son. Uh, but – Molly doesn't – she's not, like, embroiled in some – she's not being – she's not doing Oedipal in this book, as far as I can tell. Um, Hear no Oedipal, see no Oedipal, speak no Oedipal. <laughs> and, you know, I'm looking for it. Like, I'm the first in line for, like, whatever <laughs> Oedipal problems are going to be arising. And they're all yeah. over modernism. But, like, this relation, – her relationship to Millie is not an Oedipal one. And so – and then she talks about her own sort of, like, her sex life. Because we know that Molly has, is, like – gorgeous and had this great singing career and it ends with bloom's proposal which i think is like very out of character that i really like it but it's sweet yeah and that's that's the very end of the novel and it's great and it's such a good chapter we're gonna start in chapter 15 
Katie, do you have the most thoughts about this? I couldn't swear to you that I have thoughts, but I have I have questions. I definitely have questions. Okay. Um, this book is all the time edging around sex. So it's like, oh, he's sending these like kind of sort of like semi-horny letters. He's like maybe jerking off by a rock at the beach. Like Right. The um, book it's in the book, but we don't think it happens in the diegesis. Yes. So we're so we're it's it's in the book, it's in the mind. But this chapter is truly like it, it is just unrestrained uh ramblings of a pervert <laughs> but it's made into a play which is interesting and it also like it uses sex to get at everything that James Joyce like cares about at all so it's like oh he's got like he's got all this religious stuff going on he has a trial he has yes. like law so like law and punishment he does some really interesting things with gender he does a lot of like funny shit where he's like i'm a horsey i'm a cow yeah so in addition to all the kind of like religious law, all this other shit. We have like this medical diagnosis type of thing, which is uh, so, so there's like, we have a lot of doctoring going on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I diagnose your ball sack with testiculitis. Yeah. You know, and it's like, right. It's all kinds of like goofy, but also pathologizing and trying to figure out like how to navigate all of these things. There's, there's no skeleton keys anywhere to anything. Mm-hmm. But as Megan has, has pointed out, and I, certainly agree with but what he's what said in this chapter is from the sublime to the ridiculous is but a step and i think that's what the sex stuff is doing and also like especially when you combine sex and religion because it's like it sex is gross and it's goofy but it's also maybe like super high stakes in a in a different oh yeah way so i think that it would be helpful to just read a little bit of the the chapter right so that we understand how weird we're getting mm-hmm. um we're we're with three sex workers right like and bloom is sort of at one point being punished for being a pervert mm-hmm. ostensibly by this guy who's like gonna spank him and there's also this stuff where like everyone is is jesus so we get this part, which is really interesting, where we have this character, Dr. Mulligan, and he says, Dr. Bloom is bisexually abnormal. He has recently escaped from Dr. Eustace's private asylum for demented gentlemen. Born out of bedlock, hereditary epilepsy is present, the consequence of unbridled lust. Traces of elephantitis have been discovered among his ascendants. There are marked symptoms of chronic exhibitionism. Ambidexterity is also latent. He is prematurely bald from self-abuse, perversely idealistic in consequence, a reformed rake, and has metal teeth. In consequence of a family complex, he has temporarily lost his memory, and I believe him to be more sinned against than sinning. I have made a perivaginal examination, and after application of the acid test to 5427 anal axillary, pectoral, and pubic hairs, I declare him to be Virgo Intectata. Bloom holds his high-grade hat above his genital organs. Okay, and then we, like, keep going and because we've got this play, and then we kind of just ramble around into to a prayer where we get the daughters of Aaron who are just like, who, what, what's happening? <laughs> um, and, and, and they give this prayer, kidney of Bloom, pray for us, Flower of the bath, play for us. Mentor of Menton, pray for us. Canvasser for the freeman, pray for us. 
Wandering Soap, pray for us. Sweets of Sin, pray for us. Music Without Words, pray for us. Reprover of the Citizen, pray for us. Friend of All Frillies, pray for us. Midwife, Most Merciful, pray for us. Potato Preservative Against Plague and Pestilence, pray for us. So that's just like, just to give an idea of of how widely this chapter ranges, it's like he's He's trying to like have group sex. He's trying to pay for group sex. He has a he's a lucky potato that he doesn't want to lose. <laughs> yes. He's getting he's getting spanked. He's peeing in front of people. He's like they're try you know, they're like humiliating him in a way that he finds erotic. Mm-hmm. They're doing all of this prayer. He's becoming a um, woman. Yeah, yeah. He's be- yes, he's becoming a woman. And that's the thing is like they're like, ah, like he's getting like fisted up to the elbow. Yeah, the- yes. Yes. Um. And it returns itself. This happens all the time. Is it loops back into its own previous narration. So it's uh, it it replays the end of chapter five. Right. Which is uh, foresaw his pale body reclined in it at full naked in a womb of warmth. Oiled by scented melting soap, softly laved, he saw his trunk and limbs rip rippled over and sustained, buoyed, lightly upward lemon yellow, his navel but of flesh, and saw the dark tangled curls of his bush floating, floating hair of the stream around the limp father of thousands, a languid floating flower. So it like, it returns us to that language. And it does this all the time. And it's hard to read for that reason that it's like, oh, you have to be paying attention to fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I do have a what I have a my kind of question for both of you, and this doesn't have to be this can just be kind of a free floating question is uh, I'm wondering what you think all of this because this is like high fantasy mm-hmm. um, and a lot of shame. And so I kind of wonder what you both think that's doing in this novel that's supposed to be sort of like unrestrained access to stream of consciousness. Yeah. Like, well, what does that get us? Like what what does that get us? Cuz I don't know that it gets cuz I don't know what it gets us. Yeah. Well and and I thought that that line about the 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 sublime, the the proximity of the sublime and the ridiculous, right? Like the sort of like the yeah that he's being he's being punished for for like the you know being a pervert and then like the, the emasculation yeah when he like when suddenly he has he has a vulva and he gets fisted by that the the, I, the guy who I think starts out as a woman right like Be- Bella and Bello are they are they I I don't know I, I think li- there's a flip there okay yeah yeah and it's okay so all right well so you know maybe like on the sublime side of that there's like we're back like Bloom's fear of outsiderness, you know, and like the, the kind of like the, 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 the sort of like the emasculation of the, like the, the outsider, like man in this society. But then like, but, but then there are a lot of pages like, no, this is just his sex fantasy. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't yes. actually signify anything. What it signifies is like, this is what he's horny about, but then no, but actually maybe <laughs> it does tell us something about like some broader ontological state. Um, and that's just so indeterminate. Um, like intentionally indeterminate, you know? Well, it does sort of like allow us to both have like big interpretive brain power while also being like, that was dumb of you. So we know that like the wandering Jew is this big, important figure, right? For Joyce. And that's important. But of course here it's like, he says wandering soap, right? Yes. Yes. So cut you off at the scene of your certainty 
where you have seen the figure that you've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Like, oh, I okay, I get it now. Like, I'm back in this. And Joyce is like, psych, that was dumb of you. Yeah. And you, yeah, and so like it's it's also this super. So he always is doing this thing where he is playing with the form of uh, a lot of prayer. Um, and this is one of those ones where it's like, oh, I recognize this. I I know what I'm I know what I'm seeing here. Right. And then you get like you get like this the soap intrudes, you know, as it does a million times in this. The fucking soap in his pocket. Yeah. Is that soap in your pocket? Or are you just happy to <laughs> yeah, see yeah. me? Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that the, like the, the soap that he's been carrying around becomes a character that gets speech of a kind or the bells or introduces a character. I just want to say that like, so it is the form of the play of a play, but like the stage directions are so fucking bonkers because like the, yes. in the minuteness of detail or they have someone like transforming costumes in like the middle of a line. Um, actually, like something that a little bit reminded me of is there's this um, there's this romantic uh, era phenomenon called the closet drama like this is something that like percy shelley wrote where basically it's a play that is uh and, and there were there were historical reasons for this like you, you, stuff that you couldn't get staged uh and whatnot but but it was like it they were plays that were never written to be performed that like it, there was no idea that this could be performed in the world um and and so you know yeah so like the, like in prometheus unbound which is kind of like a, a nice companion piece of frankenstein shelley's doing all of this like crazy like cinematic things that you could never do on the stage but like this is that times a thousand because like part of what the stage directions are doing is like it is again the work of like drawing out like the mess of the unconscious but in a way just like mm-hmm. you, you there's no there is no way to stage this like this could not be a play even though it has the form of a play you know what i mean it has to be like maximum yeah. a novel like that's its irony right is that it's like oh no this is just noveliness of the novel even though it's not yeah right exactly it's totally. like it's like the fact that we're in a play is sort of like pointing out how novelistic this is right like and it's yes totally that's like that is a better both of what you said is a way better way of kind of uh like getting a hold of what i'm trying to figure out about this which is that it's like okay so we have this we have this like impossible play and then we have this consciousness unconsciousness thing going on that's always about like Per, are you exposing or are you performing? Mm-hmm. Like, what's happening here? Because we have a bunch of scenes that I or a bunch of moments that I find really interesting where Bloom is like he's being undressed or like he's being punished for being naughty or whatever. And it's like he's he's blushing, he's embarrassed. But then we also have this uh language of he he smiled naughtily as if he was ashamed Mm -hmm. you know like so this thing of like he likes it there's something going on here where it's like we think oh is this really shameful and like where where is the erotic thing located and when does it become like oh i I like to be made to feel ashamed and that makes me like that makes me feel happy yeah or like that makes me feel like more alive or whatever and then and then you like Though his way of leaning into it is to perform it, yeah, is to like perform the shame, yeah, yeah, and and, and like and and sort of like as as the flip to the most moments of like shame or like kind of emasculation or or what have you, uh, are these other moments when Bloom like is this like figure of romantic Irishness which pops out like <laughs> yeah. like because before he becomes yeah. before like the, the the trial and punishment scene he's like kind of be like they're like coordinated it was like Prince of Ireland or something like that yes. I was just this random line I just came across like midway through um, he's in uh, there's this other he's, like Henry Flower is like Bloom 
Bloom's kind of alter ego. I, I think Henry Flowers, the name that he, Bloom is using to have this illicit correspondence with another. He woman. is. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so we had the stage direction steered by his rapier. He Henry Flower glides at the door, his wild harp slung behind him, which is like that's from the minstrel boy, like that altered nationalist <laughs> Irish anthem. And, right. and so, but so, OK, like so what relationship does that have to like the shame stuff? Like, I mean, is that like a, a fantasy version of Bloom self that he can't have because he's an outsider or is he actually that? And so then like the shame stuff gets bound up with with the nation stuff. I just I don't know. Totally. No, I. it's so interesting that like, yeah, that's like the two. Those are the two poles and they're actually the same thing. Like he is the king of his sex fantasy yes. and he in his sex <laughs> yes. fantasy. He's the king. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. And also he's like the yeah, he's a total bottom. Yes, yeah. Of his yeah. sex fantasy, right? Yeah. And I actually like uh, would put a little pressure, maybe you guys would feel differently, that it's not quite the same as being emasculating because it's enfeminizing. Right. It's not actually identical to emasculating to me. No, I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really good point. Or um, like bottom it's both bottoming and feminizing to me yeah because bloom is like uh in the middle of the gender spectrum anyway yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i do think there's some i i do think actually like both are happening okay so certainly like yeah it's important to say that they're not the same thing yeah. but it's also like yes it it seems to me that so at one point i think he gets he gets corrected about his pronouns mm-hmm. he does yes um so that is like so that's one of these things where it's like in in order to be and so he's also being feminized in a very particular way. He's like you are going to do what these women who are selling sex do. Like you need like you should your body should look like their bodies. Mm-hmm. This book is very um, into pussy power, like I will yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. And like ass, you know, like 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 this he's got like fantasies about what a woman's ass should he look like. He has this book is an ass man's book. Not totally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, that's that's Joyce, yes. right? <laughs> that, yes. Yes, it is. Nobody yeah. – Joyce is like, I don't care about boobs at all. Well, <laughs> also, though, too, that like – you know, and this actually like be quite like sexually progressive, um, which I think is, is – you know, I mean, that's actually just generally true of Joyce is that like taking the, 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 the kind of like – fear that don't necessarily start in in the realm of sex like the kind of fears and the the ostracization because remember like this is just a couple chapters after that like super like kind of grossly nationalist moment with the citizen in the bar which is like hyper like all of this like dick swinging crap right and that like that like so that's sort of like the, the whatever like the kind of fear or the 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 estrangement that that produces gets sort of like transformed into like kink and pleasure for for Bloom yeah. in this, oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not, which isn't. I mean, and that's actually, you know, that's one of the many. Like, no one actually knows like where various kinks come from, but that is like a a potential theory for some of it. Is it's a you know, it's a it's a an eroticized um, and and via that a way of taking control over uh, fears, right? That like you you eroticize that which is fear, you're, you know, you're, the subconscious or the unconscious eroticizes that which is like um, threatening in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, or or even un, unresolved. Yeah, or unresolved, unresolved threat. Yeah, just Which, just it it does the 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 kink is a way of of uh via like erotics making sense of or containing something that is 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 otherwise not. And I think that that's like a, something that gets articulated in these like really compacted descriptions of characters because like when anyone comes into sort of proximity to Bloom, their description 
is a version of like Bloom's preoccupations. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking of like, this is the version of like, are we in Bloom's head? Not really, because we're in Joyce's head, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. So I was going to read something, which is like the description of Bella before she's Bello, who also gets this very rich like description of his mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but so in the Gabler, it's 429 and it says, this is the stage direction. The door opens. Bella Cohn, a massive whore mistress, enters. She's dressed in a three-quarter ivory gown, fringed around the hem with tasseled selvage, and cools herself flirting a black horn fan like Minnie Hauk in Carmen. On her left hand are wedding and keeper rings. Her eyes are deeply carboned. She has a sprouting mustache. Her olive face is heavy, slightly sweated, and full-nosed with orange-tainted nostrils. She has large pendant barrel eardrops. So... So you get here Bloom's reference. This is like Cohen's Jewish name, right? That matters. She's in a wedding dress, which matters. She has this like this Spanish appellation. Well, like she's referred to like Carmen, which is Molly is Spanish too. Mm -hmm. She's a wedded. She has the wedding rings. So it's like one thing after another that is like compacted into this description that are like the things that Bloom loves about women. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is like both sexy and wedded, mm-hmm. <laughs> both Jewish and not, right. both taken and free. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, I think that this is like one of the ways that we can see how Bloom bounces himself off of other people. Yeah. Totally. And how like we do get his sense of other characters. We, I, I think it's quite rare we get Steven's sense of other characters. Yeah. My dad doesn't love me. Yeah, no, Steven, I don't know, like, yeah, Steven's, Steven just kind of a morose dipshit, <laughs> but like, yeah. but, well, so, but no, that, like, this is kind of the uh, sort of like dumber question, but I think in the same vein of like, um, yeah, well, just situating like uh, Bloom psyche vis-a-vis these other people. In terms of the plot arc, this is like the drunkest chapter. This is like after they've For been sure. out drinking. Um, and like partially when you start reading it, it sort of feels like, yeah, like this is the kind of thoughts of someone who's just so hammered that they're not even going to have any memory of this has. Right. But the thing is, Bloom is probably the least drunk person in the scene. Like, like Stephen is barely mm-hmm. able to like function. Yeah, Stephen like, is like not functional. Bloom is not. I mean, Bloom, I don't think has even really had much at all to drink. And, and we, we're told at, at various points that he does like he's not. I mean, he's not like a teetotaler, but he's kind of close. Um, but so, mm-hmm. so like this, like in terms of like, right? It's big that he has had a burgundy, a glass of burgundy. Yes, they keep bringing ex- it up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in terms of like it's placement in the book this is the drunkest chapter but it is the psyche (laughs) of like the least drunk person even though it is like the drunkest material as well you know what so like yes it's it well it's the pervert chapter katie you're super right on that right it's like it is a super drunk chapter but it's also the pervy chapter because like that's what makes Bloom into a weird headspace. Yeah. Well, and hey, you know what? It's like, okay, yeah. so his companion here, Daedalus, is like so drunk at this point that he be- he he's not he's not having a conversation at all. So Bloom is just kind of free to like go into like the recesses of his mind as they kind of wander yes. around. He's like, all right. Before he has to be his daddy. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right. Before he has to be his daddy. Um and also, I would say to Katie, like, it, like, and not in a sex daddy way, not in no. like we've read plenty of books where there was like, when I meant said daddy, I meant like 
daddy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Not here. No, not here at all. No, no, um, no. And I also I said to Kate that like so this is not this is 150 pages. It's like in the gabbler. It's like the longest chapter. It's a whole novel. But it it's it's a whole novel. And yet, like yeah. if you actually th- like try to plot out the timeline of this. It, it had to be within a couple minutes, right? Like, yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I I think that uh, yeah, it's it's just like it's it's everything. It's everywhere we want to yeah. be. Um, but Megan, I think that just to kind of go back to something that you had said, um, Tristan, which ties into the kind of like formal weirdness that you're pointing out here, is um, so you're saying like this is Bloom. This is like this is like peak bloom bouncing himself off of other people yeah or bouncing other people off of him um however you want to say it and so that to me just felt like a really great transition into chapter 17 awesome which is like exactly that bouncing off yeah and what it means right it's very literal in terms of like the q a is like a bouncing off structure yeah yeah. Yeah. And and, also, and and so but like in, in, intervening between 15 and 17 is the as as Megan said the boring 16 chapter where like basically <laughs> yes. there Stephen is like so drunk he's like drooling into his soup and like yep. and, and Bloom is trying to be like hey aren't aren't we buddies and it's like it feels sort of hostile like Stephen's re- like lack of response but I actually think it's like he is at that point too drunk to actually like interact and then but by 17 he's yeah. like sobered up enough it's like oh yeah he's gotten into the like the back slappy like you're a good guy kind of uh kind of kind of, <laughs> stage of drunk he's got to like he's he doesn't he makes him cocoa and not coffee but it is a, like all right bro you got to get something in your stomach yes yeah exactly yes before you become prob- even more troubling than punching people. Um, so, yeah. Seven- <laughs> so, yeah. Somebody explain the catechism to the audience of people, including me, who doesn't really know what that is. Uh, you want me to take a little stabby stab yep, at that? Do it. So, the catechism basically is exactly the, f- the Q&A format. And the thing is, is that it's specifically designed to be like a teaching document. So it's this book and you and it's often for kids and so basically what you do is like you have these questions, right? You give the question and then you you need to get the right answer from somebody religious wise. And so part of it involves this thing which I did try to sort of like think about the parts and and look up a little bit about the parts that uh people will be really familiar with. The catechism involves the Apostles' Creed, which everybody knows. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole, like, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, Holy Spirit. And then if you're doing the Catholic one, it's like the Holy Catholic Church, communion of the saints, forgiveness of the sins, resurrection of the body, and um, and I can't remember the end, and life everlasting. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and, and mommy, mommy, daddy, and me. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. That's the, that's the seated at the right hand of the father thing yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sorry and it for also the Deleuze involves- references. People who are listening <laughs> to this always apologize. Um, and it also involves stuff like the Ten Commandments. So it's like making sure that you know all of the really important stuff. And it's also like making sure you know that yes, you have to pray. And how do you have to pray? And like. What's the Christian mystery thing? Like, what do we think Jesus is? Um, Jesus, you know, fully man, fully God. We have word made flesh. We have all these like super, super, super important hits. Yeah. And it's it's 
really interesting that it's question and answer because the question is like a submissive position kind of because it's like, um, you know, you get what you get when you ask a question. But when you ask these kind of questions, there is very much a right answer and it's very much like a play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was great – I can say a little bit like – about so there were some early american stuff where kids would get kids would go off and they would um they would go missing and they would be found uh you know living among um tribes in the area and the huge concern when they got back was like whether or not they still knew their catechism Mm. that was like the way of saying like are you if you know your catechism you're one of us and if you don't you're not this is like a weird reference but it reminds me a lot of the scene in the scarlet letter when uh, they ask the little kid who made you. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and and we know the answer as readers, which is the Lord our Father has made me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, because she's supposed to even at three have that. Right. Uh, but she's yes. like, "Mommy found me on a flower bush." Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. And it, yes, that's that's to- that is like that's completely right. And it also belongs to this other like religious teaching tradition where like okay, so if you're teaching kids the alphabet, the way you do it is to say A in Adam's fall we sin right, all. Yeah. You know Anarchy. like <laughs> Yeah. So it's like it plays with a lot of interesting stuff and the Catholic one and Protestant one, like there's all different ones. Um, but it's basically a way of like getting you to rehearse the most important parts yeah. of yeah. the faith. Yeah. So is that like why Joyce finds this to be his favorite chapter? Because it's like uh, it's encapsulating his most important and funniest moments because like every uh, point of the top 90 themes in Ulysses that I have invented as the pedagogical uh, aid to this novel, they all appear here. Yeah. 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 Right? So yeah, like yeah, yeah. the word made flesh and the flesh made word is like part of the thing here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also and, like yeah. the water and the and birth stuff and, and feminization, like everything appears here. Mm-hmm. It's because like the thing that the way that I sort of thought about it was like okay so if he were to catechize somebody with like this thing it's like if you could answer if you could answer all those questions in the in the ulysses way you would be like you'd get it you'd win yeah like you win the ulysses game like if you if you could answer that way you know right um so yeah but yeah um but okay, like and 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 yeah, and that that makes sense in terms of like why this has the form of the catechism. But I will say, like, I mean, the catechism is is it's about like it's about ultimately the most stable of knowledge, right? Like the knowledge of God. But like, there is no such thing as stable knowledge in this book. You know right. what I mean? Well, and it's also like I love that this is again like the catechism is that. uh Joyce inserts the titles of like a bunch of doofy ass other books. Yes. Like yeah. everybody's joke book, I think is what he calls it. And then there's another one that's like physical strength and how to obtain it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's right. these- Which is like, that's right. again, it's like everything it's, it is, I really think this book is funny yeah. and it's cause they're like partly just because there's like these doofy jokes that are also like, 
very thematically substantial. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Like you got to insert this other book in here to know that we're not doing catechism in a way that's like um, earnest. Well, and also like what someone's real like bookshelf looks like too, right? Like, I mean, I've got, I've got like, yes. I mean, I look at my bookshelf right now. I've got like all this like literary critic dork shit on it, but then it's like, it's like the guide to back page, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I totally have like a guide to swearing in French. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes. um, you know, plus like, oh, is that right now? Right next to like, Elaine Showalter, you know, it's like they're all they're <laughs> alphabetical by last name. Yeah, totally. Right. I I do want to like. I think that's. I think that's totally. Yeah, you're getting like such a. It's such a real. Um, that's like the real shit right there. You know, it's before it's before somebody comes over and you hide your embarrassing books, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Tristan, I think like the thing about the the you know the knowledge of God is supposed to be the thing that's the most stable. The thing is that like. That stability has to be inculcated yes. by this type of shit. Yeah, like right. it it's it's so unstable that you have to do like predetermined Q and A's. Right. And because you and you never stop saying the catechism either, right? Like the church will be doing yeah. the catechism for like all time. Um but yeah, no, right. Um so actually this is a way that maybe brings it back closer to what a catechism is actually doing um i i uh you know kind of when we were texting beforehand made the comment there's there's a line that appears like actually deeply hegelian and it is when they're like to me <laughs> it is that when they're they're pissing uh together um so yeah so so you like you never okay. know if it's literally hegel because with joyce everything is fucking it everybody is in this book yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Like Tristan, all of your boyfriends are like they're for sure. Gulliver's Travels and Robinson Crusoe are like explicitly mentioned. Oh no, to- yes. totally, totally. Um, so well, so actually, but but before we get to that, because I there's a moment at which like, um, uh, so okay. although of course, like Joyce loves to make fun of English people. I just want to like, yeah. Oh that. no, totally, totally. Um, but yeah, so. So, uh, so, so this is the chapter at which like Stephen, who it seems like Bloom wants to like adopt him as a son to replace, you know, Rudy, uh, and, and, and Bloom seem to be coming together again, but then like, there's this crazy moment like midway through where Steven is just like, yeah, they're kind of, t- he's telling drunk stories and they seem to be having a good time. And so then he starts with this song, right? So this is on five sixty-five of the, of the Gabler edition. Uh, the 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 first line is like the 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 question or the the incitement of the catechism. Oh yeah, recite the first major part of this chanted legend. Little Harry Hughes and all, his schoolfellows all went out to uh, out for to play ball, and the very first ball Little Harry Hughes played, he drove it o'er the Jews' garden wall, and the very second ball Little Harry Hughes played, he broke the Jews' windows all. How did the son of Rudolph, meaning Bloom, receive this first part? With unmixed feeling, smiling, a Jew, he heard with pleasure and saw the unbroken kitchen window. Recite the second part, minor, of the legend. Then out there came the Jew's daughter, and she all dressed in green. Come back, come back, you pretty little boy, and play your ball again. I can't come back, and I won't come back without my schoolfellows all. For if my master he did hear, he'd make it a sorry ball. She took him by the lily-white hand and led him along the hall, until she led him to a room where none could hear him call. She took a pen, pen knife out her pocket and cut off his little head, and now he'll play his ball no more, for he lies among the dead. 
how did the father of Millicent, again, Bloom, perceive the second part? With mixed feelings, unsmiling, he heard and saw with wonder a Jew's daughter, all dressed in green. Stephen just is like, oh, hey, let me sing this song, this like fucking like blood libel, Priorus's tale, like history of anti-Semitism yes. thing, right in the <laughs> middle of it. And, and, and like after all these pages were, oh, look, it, they kind of look like they're going to be friends. Um, and something I would say to you guys, it, it doesn't even like look to me that clear that like Steven is aware that he's like dropping these like anti-Semitic tropes or that he's like doing it like intentionally as no, like he's like saying the n-word no. to his friend just to be like aren't i like i'm cool yeah like, we're cool. Ex- exactly and so then it's like okay so that that does seem to like you know if this is like the hegelian dialectic where you know it's thesis antithesis synthesis on and on throughout history like they're getting closer and closer and then maybe this is a moment they pull back from each other uh but i don't know it's just such a fucking like weird and like aggressive like uh, thing right in the midst of this i I don't know kind of sweet like drunk dude friendship chapter you know (laughs) like well and like again you have to pay attention to everything that's around it right so like as son bloom is like not that attached to being like a part of a lineage of like sons of israel he's just not that into it right but it's like don't talk shit about bloom's daughter man he's gonna be mad yeah yes yeah right yeah that yeah good point that it, yes it's like yeah it, it's not he's a big dime don't talk about my daughter yeah guy. yeah no, for totally. sure and, and it's not it's not maybe so much the um you know just the the the, the blank kind of anti-semitism of it it's like this specific like oh you're talking about my daughter now dude like that yeah um, I mean, I don't think anyone would love a sort of blood libel moment because <laughs> no, because it's like no. so bonky. No, but but there are other parts that you realize like we don't think. I mean, I think Bloom is actually like remarkably stoic about anti-Semitic moments in this book. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, and I mean, honestly, the, the, like probably as a def- you know, as a defensive mech to the like there, it's it, it, it's very much a mark to outsider status, like in, in this place, you know. Um. Yeah, I, I actually so there's two this this moment to me uh, tracks with a moment that's sort of about Jewishness, but sort of not, which is the moment where he's riding in the carriage to uh, Pat with the Patty Dingham's funeral. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing like like anti Irish fake names, but his <laughs> no, name but is Patty Dingham. Patty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, this whole book is full of like what feel like fake Buck Mulligan. Yeah. Yeah, Ireland porn. Yeah, yes. Um, but there's that moment where some guys basically saying like suicide is such a it's it's a, it's so it's the greatest it's sin. So awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great sin. It's so cowardly and not knowing like that that's cutting deep to bloom. Right. Right. Because his father has killed yeah. himself. Yeah. Yes. And so that to me though is like that's like a foot and mouth moment of a bad opinion Mm. this to me is red and i don't know if this is true so you know let me know but you know how like sometimes grandparents will say a rhyme that they forgot is racist (laughs) yes like that's kind of that's kind of what this felt more like to me it's like oh i thought of a rhyme and like yeah maybe he did think of the rhyme because in his mind is this is like is this sense of um it's a sense of Bloom's Jewishness. And so it like filtered to the top, yeah. but like, but I don't know. I, so, so, um, no, like, I don't know if I read it as a provocation or like an accent, like, 
like a fucking like what's that weird accidental racist song oh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah right uh uh yeah well, no i mean right because right, you, you said it's kind of like always like dropping like kind of a racial slur as like a like oh look I, like you know it's some trying to be like cool in front of his friend or something uh or like some kind of like in group mm-hmm. kind of thing but i actually sort of felt read it more like katie kind of what i, I hear you saying is that it's just like this un, it is like this anti-semitism but that is just like completely uninterrogated and like just part of like steven's like sort of like you know like yeah the cultural milieu that he that he does not read as like anything really because it's just oh that's that there's just this rhyme whereas like bloom the outsider who's the target of it is like what what the fuck dude you know I mean, and I think we are intended to get a little bit of like, Bloom has a good sense of humor about this until it gets like under his skin. Yeah. 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 And it's really fucked up. It's, I mean, it is pretty fucked up. And again, it's like I reading it feel a very different relationship between like Bloom the son and Bloom the father. Like his relationship to his father is not actually all that's like, it's all that deep because that, sort of implies this like sons of israel thing but his relationship with his kids is right yeah yes and this is like the 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 thing that i read earlier another like super famous part where he's talking about his dick is the father of thousands Mm -hmm. yeah and so like that rudy those characters have the same name which is like uh a strong hint guys Mm -hmm. uh like rudy and millie are important to him is like the products of this marriage and the products of like his his um capacity to make but he's not that he's like son son of rudolph is not that offended by this little rhyme right yeah yeah that no that that makes sense to me um but then like so bloom's like hey do you want to stay the night and steven's like no <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I gotta be drunk someplace else. Yeah, and then yeah, um, uh, and and which it's it, it's kind of like a rupture, right? But then, but then, yeah, like that. This is all like the uh the, the kind of Hegelian dialectic where we sort of come back together at some like more advanced point. Uh, but it's but they piss together, right? So this is on, yes. on five five seventy seven. <laughs> both then were silent, silent, each contemplating the other in both mirrors of the reciprocal flesh of they are his, not his uh, fellow faces. Which right there, that's like the mutual recognition moment, I think, from from Hegel, uh, where the where the two self consciousnesses recognize each other um were when they cross the yes that they cross it yes were they indefinitely <laughs> inactive yes at steven's suggestion at bloom's instigation both first steven then bloom in penumbra urinated their sides contiguous their organs of micturation reciprocally rendered invisible by manual circumposition their gazes first blooms then steven's elevated to the projected luminous and semi-luminous shadow which i when i teach hegel this year i'm gonna be it's about two dudes pissing together that's what this whole book is about across the streams yeah, crossing the streams goes <laughs> Busters is also Hegelian. It's about pissing, not. You know, <laughs> so as much as like I, I want to talk about penises all day. Uh, <laughs> I do think we should get to Molly. Yes. Yeah, the best because part because it's my favorite part. I really think that like I don't want to give Joyce too much credit, but there is this like and and feminization of the book yeah. that happens because it's wrapped yeah. up this way. No, that that it, it it ends with Penelope, not Odysseus, 
Right. And and also like her mm-hmm. perspective. Also because we've been like later Telemachus, good luck with whatever the fuck yeah, you're right, doing. Right, right. Telemachus yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh Telemachus is the future. Like, no, he's not. Like well that's yeah, like which is actually something that like blooms or, or that is is stated in seventeen that like that that um that uh that Daedalus is the future and Bloom is the past and which is kind of confusing, but it kind of doesn't look like either of them are the future at eighteen. Like right. Because and and, right. and one of the nice things that Molly's perspective does is it just cuts through all of Bloom's like bullshit. Like I mean, and, and yes. I do think we have to keep in mind that like this is yet a, this is but one of many sort of like psycho narratives that are existing within this. But it is like a really striking corrective to like Bloom's perceptions of everything that's happened throughout this day. I love to. I just have to note that like they don't say this, but I read that that him sending him off like. Telemachus wandering into the night as like goodbye, you big dumb writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally, <laughs> totally. Good luck. Like I don't know. There's just something writery about Stephen that I find like deliberately stupid on the book's part. That like oh, this kid, man. Yeah. Well, he's like he's like I'm in an MFA program. Totally, yeah, 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 he's yeah. such an MFA guy. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, Stephen's insufferable. Well, in the dream when <laughs> Stephen's <What>? insufferable. Like. <laughs> Well, so is Telemachus too. Like the dream oh, yeah. would be in the Odyssey to be like, kick this fucker yeah. out. Oh, totally. Oh, Telemachus sucks more than anyone in the entire Odyssey. <laughs> like- and he's such a doo-doo head about <laughs> all of the suitors who who Penelope here is actually allowed to like encounter. Yes. No, totally. Yes. Totally. Again, that's like a corrective that I think is kind of thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, like I guess in the Odyssey's terms, Telemachus is supposed to be like, what, what like 20 or something like that. But like yeah. I, I love to think of Telemachus as like a forty-year-old, like basically Will Ferrell from <laughs> Step Brothers. You know? oh, that's fine with me. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, no, dude, I was gonna say he's like a thirteen-year-old, and then when you said he's a forty-year-old, I was like, he's a thirteen-year-old no, forty. Like, Mom, yeah. yes, all these absolutely. Suitors are in my stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Penelope so like, let's like yeah. do we have a uh, okay. a or do we have a favorite moment? I mean there's so many like she's you know she's talking about I just love She's her. talking about kind of what a fuckboy Leopold is and how how big Blaze's Boylan's cock is cuz because that we do we get confirmation here that they did they did bone earlier in the day. Um yes. Also, like that, she's like, "What? He doesn't hug me, but he kisses my butt." Like, like what's up with that? Like, uh, yeah, but 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 galore. Let me see. Do I have a favorite line from this? Um, well, I, like, yeah. I mean, so we could, we can. I think we'll get there. But I do think it's like it's both sweet and also kind of weird that like it does end. Like, I mean, so she's like for for most of these thirty, like it's there there. It, it is a fun. It's fun to read and it's very funny, but it's also very. There's just a lot of words on the page because it's like there are eight unbroken sentences that make up yes. this whole thing. You know that we get that most of it. She's just she's pissed at Bloom for you know be for various like uh, very uh, legitimate reasons. But then at the end, she's like back thinking thinking of them uh you know when they were young and he was like proposing to her in, in Gibraltar and it's like kind of sweet and it's like oh yeah but like it, at least we once did like you know love each other and we're like super into each other but I mean something I'm like I, I just don't but like okay that's where the book ends but I'm also not at all confident that that actually tells us anything about like where the relationship has has progressed to you know yeah I mean I think we have moments of them together, but they're not, they're mostly reflecting on each other. Yes. As opposed to like 
in dialogue. Right, right. Although and I love her gets- funny her funny moments where she's like, uh, I don't even remember who it is, slaps her on the ass and she's like, I am not a horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> she rolls over to fart at one point midway through, which is hilarious. Like <laughs> Yep. Very Joyce. Yeah. Uh uh. Well, okay. So actually, like one of my favorite parts of this is that like Apparently, like, right before Bloom's passed out, he's been like, oh, make me breakfast in bed tomorrow, honey. And and so it's like, <laughs> so it starts, yes, because he never did a thing like that before, is asked to get his breakfast in bed with a couple of eggs since the City Arms Hotel, when he used to be pretending to be laid up with a sick voice doing his high, yeah, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's, that I don't know, I kind of think the way this chapter begins is amazing, like. It's really good. There's, there's also a really good, she's like talking shit about professors. Yeah. Yes. Um, a little bit. And she's also like doing the thing where, um, she's like sort of like she's judging men. And there's this part where she goes, um, she's talking about this guy, Jack Power. And she says he's a good looking man. That's still, another he's like bit- Ireland porn name. Yeah. Yes. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, he's getting a bit gray over the ears. They're a nice lot, all of them. Well, they're not going to get my husband into their clutches if I can help it, making fun of um, him then behind his back. I know well when he goes on with his idiotics because he has sense enough not to squander every penny he earns down their gullets and looks after his wife and family, good for nothings, poor Patty Dignam. All the same, I'm sorry in a way for him. What are his wife and five children going to do unless he was insured comical little teetotum always stuck up in some pub corner and her or her son waiting bill bailey won't you please come home her widow's weeds won't improve her appearance they're awfully becoming though if you're good looking Mm -hmm. she has a lot of commentary just this is a little bit of an aside but she has a lot of commentary on how on other people's appearance yes yeah yeah which is like i don't quite know like what the if that matters like if there's any stakes to that but she's really she's observant in a way that neither Stephen nor Bloom is of stuff that's outside of her. Right. Although, although her observation, yes. like, cause she talks about how like kind of clean Daedalus is at one point. Right. Even though yeah. like we learned in the last, like, cause what the Leopold's like that he actually never takes. Yeah. A he's like, bath. Hey, you want to take a bath? And Stephen's like, no water's terrifying. <laughs> <And I'm sorry. laughs> yes. He is like hydrophobia. Um, but you're right. She, she does seem much more kind of attuned to sort of like uh, surroundings than, uh, and and other people than Bloom is, um, and I don't know if there's a gender claim being made there or not. Or, or um, yeah. well, it's like she's not. So so it's not like um, it's not like Bloom. I mean, Stephen, like who the fuck knows? But Bloom, he does like see stuff. He's very like interested in the world, but it's he is always stopped when he becomes like overcome by his own horniness right. or like urge to shit or like. <laughs> You know, there's never any, um, there's no remove from it. Whereas, like, she can kind of stand back and, like, judge and look um, in a way that's totally different. Right, right. If the if the if the novel had stopped at the end of seventeen, like as as bonkers as it is, and this sort of like resistant to sort of like narrativization as as I think it is as a project, you can kind of like okay, I sort of see where this wound up. 
but then like, you know, and, and I even think that within 18, this is true, right? That like Molly goes back to this moment when, you know, when they were young and like, you know, ha- like kind of happy with each other. But you're like, yeah, but I don't I can't actually take that as being like some sort of definitive word that like, oh, at the bottom, they love each other. And, and rather than just like yet another thought that may lead somewhere or may not. Um, you know, it's it's just I don't know. It's it's like the, kind of like 18 sort of to me. It, 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 it helps as a corrective and some kind of key in some ways to the rest of the novel, but it also sort of like it really throws into even further question. I think what what the novel has even been after in turn, like, well, you know, it just like who these characters even are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if part of it, too, is like th- rethinking or thinking about the sexual relationship between Bloom and Molly. Yeah. Because she mm-hmm. addresses her sex life in a way that's not nearly so much about getting like kink, like shame kink fisted. Right. 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 It's like uh, the Gabbler 641. Uh, I used to be in the longing way, then I'll throw him up his eggs and tea in the mustache cup. She gave him to make his mouth bigger. I suppose he'd like my nice cream too. I know what I'll do. I'll go about rather gay, not too much singing a bit now. And then mi fa pieta masato. Then I'll start dressing myself to go out presto. Non son più forte. I'll put on my best shift in drawers. Let him have a good eyeful out of that to make his Mickey stand for him. I'll let him know if that's what he wanted, that his wife is fucked. Yes. And damn well fucked too, up to my neck. Nearly not by him, five or six times hand running. There's the mark of his bunk on the clean sheet. I wouldn't bother to even iron it out. That ought to satisfy him. If you don't believe me, feel my belly unless I made him stand there and put him into me. I have a mind to tell him every scrap and make him do it out in front of me. Serve him rights. It's all his own fault if I am an adulteress, as the thing in the gallery said. So, like, her uh, attitude about this is so different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I just, that's one of the things that we love about her. Yeah. 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 Uh, the the funny thing is like, yeah, so you see like, you see the differences between their sexualities and you see uh, sort of, you, you come to realize that they're not fucking anymore and you, but you also see why he is like, why he is or was turned on by her because totally. she's very much like exactly like her attitude is so exactly what he like what like makes mm-hmm. stick hard oh you know? absolutely yeah. yeah her attitude and also like we know that she's really pretty and she's like uh just she's not a prude right and there are like what I think of as being marriagey gestures between them, like it's sweet to bring somebody breakfast in bed. Although she's like, "Fuck you!" I guess I'm not doing that. Well, right? It's not because it's not like a it's not like a freely given gesture. It's a like it's it, it's in it like Bloom is like it would be nice if you did this for me. <laughs> like that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that in the beginning it doesn't seem that way, right? Like it seems like a nice thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Before he stinks up her whole fucking house with his organ meat. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the very, yes, yeah, yeah. Because he's like, is something burning? Like, I think it's that fourth or fifth chapter that Bloom is doing his, like, Bloom, Bloom who loves the organs of fish and fowl or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so great that we get that because it's like, you know, um, <laughs> 
he's just he's just making this stinky ass stuff and and you just as a reader you just know it stinks yeah. and then to have it confirmed just fucking yeah. rules yeah it's true it's also like i said i think for me that's a very marriagey gesture is to say like is something burning <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like uh before the show tristan and i were talking about like uh i was i was talking to my husband as he was leaving and Tristan could hear us over our podcasting software. And I was like, man, was that embarrassing? And then I realized like, oh, no, like not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about at 9 a.m. on a Sunday? Are you taking the dog to the vet? Yeah. Do you need the car? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. Got, and it's just very marriage to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, do we need to do laundry today? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, not even remotely embarrassing. Just like dumb. Regular. regular yeah Good. and yeah, so right. like it's not part of their regular vibe that he's like has his shame kinks and that she's fucking somebody else it's not like that's not that is something that's supposed to per- pull our attention yes. yeah yeah right uh and and i think also like how do you guys buy it if i said something like that's also like a threading of the odyssey yeah. Yeah. Because why not? Because uh, Odi- Odysseus is annoying as fuck. But also, he keeps getting like punished. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it is kind of his vibe that he keeps getting humiliated. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's right. I mean, that yeah. like Bloom just as, as a as a psyche does i think map very well onto like odysseus you know he it, it, like it's not it's not just like oh you've taken the you've taken the this like big ec- epic form and condensed it to a day with a bunch of mundane shit it is actually like no i i think that like bloom very clearly sort of reads in some ways like like odysseus does that right. you're right that he he keeps getting punished but also like there's a lot of like indeterminacy about uh, odysseus and like fucking hem hawing that never goes anywhere which i think is very bloomy into you know yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think the Penelope is much more of like a corrective. Yes. Yeah. In the sense that like, man, fucking Telemachus chases off all her boyfriends. What a dick move. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Penelope, it, like, you know, gets, yeah, I mean, shit on, like, she she's basically stuck in this 20 year state of like suspension. Like she can't, you know, like her son <laughs> like kind of won't let her marry these suitors or her like yeah. commitment to this guy. But this guy who like, because he's a fucking dumbass is just God for all this stuff. You know what I mean? So. Well, and we have we actually have the present Telemachus in Stephen, who's only Telemachus to Bloom, yeah. and we have the absent Telemachus, which who who would have been Rudy, yeah, yeah, and to Molly, that's the only Telemachus that ever was. She's that's Telemachus. Stephen as Telemachus is not that figure to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the relationship is cast into a totally different light yeah. because this is Telemachus as as the you know this is deeply sad but as the sort of like rupture event that means that she can't fuck her husband right 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 so actually telemachus does does chase away her yeah husband yeah that's that's true yeah as sad that actually does make me profoundly sad that they have this dead son that they don't talk about yeah all right that's a good place to uh to pause or to (laughs) <laughs> to to move on with our lives, as sad as that is. Uh, Katie, do you have questions for us? 
I have a quiz okay, for you. Yeah, quiz time. So you've spent, we've all spent a lot of time with James Joyce. We all feel that we are acquainted with him in a certain way. His little peculiarities, his foibles, his horniness. And so- Amniotic. <laughs> yeah, that yes, all of it, all of it. And so one thing that we've mentioned about James Joyce was that he was a prolific writer of dirty letters. Mm. And so uh, I have I have pulled some- some selections from his dirty letters yeah, and, um, and created a sort of a quiz. You'll have options and you'll have to identify which one of them is okay. Joyce. Okay. So to see if you can sort of, uh, identify the Joyceness, if it, if it, if it becomes, um, clear to you. Are the rest made up or are they from like Byron and Irish horny, Irish. Irish horniness. Okay. okay. All right. It's a catalog of Irish horniness. <laughs> That seemed fair to me. Okay. I actually, yep, I'm here for that. So here are your choices. For number one, A, I am still in a fever fit of animal desire. B, a hundred thousand kisses, darling. C, you say you will shit your drawers, dear, and let me fuck you then. I would like to hear you shit them, dear, first, and then fuck you. Uh, C. Yeah, I think it's C. See, okay, okay, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) It's not B. No. Okay. Uh, Number two, you are always my beautiful wildflower of the hedges, my dark blue rain drenched flower. So is that um, Hawthorne? Is that Melville to Hawthorne? No, that would be much yeah. filthier. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you know it. I know. Well, there's no like plant. erect or seed plant, or. Plant is so northern seed in my hot southern soil or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> that amazing <laughs> line was it. <laughs> yep, but Melville in general has to use all those like wiener yes. centric words. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, B is no letter. Now I'm sure my girlie's offended at my filthy words. Are you offended, dear, at what I said about your drawers? That is all nonsense, darling. I know they are as spotless as your hearth. C. I came off just now in my trousers. See, I, I just <laughs> because I know how into butts and all functions of the butt Joyce is. I it's B. Like I feel like I feel like I I have the key to this, you know. You know who we know it isn't is Jonathan Swift. <laughs> <laughs> because of the ladies' bedchamber. The ladies' Tristan, dressing is that the room, name yes. Of the ladies' dressing room where he's like, uh, doo-doo undies. Yeah. Celia, Celia, Celia shit. Yes. And that's the worst thing that could ever exist. Yes. We know it's not Swift. Yes. Okay, yeah, it's B, maybe C. So we're at B. Okay. So number three. A, I would be delighted to feel my flesh tingling under your hand. Do you know what I mean, dear? B, my true love for you, the love of my verses, the love of my eyes for your strange, luring eyes comes blowing over my soul like a wind of spices. C, I hope you will let off no end of farts in my face. Oh, This okay. This is tricky because a I was like okay. There's a spanking fetish going on. That sounds a lot yeah. like Joy's, but then C with the fart stuff. Oh man, I think I got to go C. I- yeah, I think that's mine too. Although, like, I'm trying to figure out who B might be, 
I'm trying to identify the other discussants in this. <laughs> like, is B Elizabeth Bow? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem right, but it could be. Uh, so do you both agree on C? I, yes. Yeah. Oh, there's got to be some Oscar Wilde in here. All right, I'm putting <laughs> that in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number four. There's five, so we're almost done. A, do more if you wish and send the letter to me, my darling brown-arsed fuckbird. <laughs> That's some champion I think it's, uh, pillow talk I already right think there. it's A. Yes. B, have I shocked you by the dirty things I wrote you? You think perhaps that my love is a filthy thing. It is, darling, at some moments. C, you are mine, darling, mine. I love you. Which I think it's B, actually. B? I'm going to go A. I'm going to go A. I feel like Joyce has to have sweet moments, you know? Like, he does have some Oh, sincerity. I'm sure he does, too. I just don't know that Katie is selecting any of them. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good point. I'm still going with it. All right. Okay. So you're so you're going with um so you're going with B and I'm going with B. A. You're going with A. Okay. Number 5. This is the this is the most difficult one by far. Okay. A. You seem anxious to know how I received your letter, which you say is worse than mine. How is it worse than mine? Yes, it is worse in one part or two. I mean the part where you say what you'll do with your tongue. I don't mean <laughs> sucking me off. And in that lovely word, you write so big and underline, you little blackguard. B, here is another note to buy pretty drawers or stockings or garters. Buy whorish drawers, love. C, I am delighted to see that you do like being fucked arseways. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is not easy. No, it's B or C. B because like it, the the his butt his general like butt enthusiast <laughs> leads I think also to like a panty fetish of all kinds. But but yeah. but the, the 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 butt fucking of C is uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say B just you know very very up uh, uh, uh some of these <laughs> the characters some of these lines a little bit but I'm also gonna oh, go yeah. with B because he does talk about he talks about women's underwear surprisingly like things like garters yeah. which are uh yeah he's like in in Ulysses he's into panties although again I'm like trying to think of who these other writers are yeah me too. And like how into we know I just assume that Oscar Wilde did not write panty panty porn. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe like it's not like he did, he was married, but <laughs> it's it's, you know, that's that was not my assumption. Yeah. But again, now I'm like running through my catalog of Irish of Irish writers. Yeah. Irish perverts. Irish perverts, um, which is apparently. I mean, a hey, some of it could be Bram Stoker. I mean, Dracula, Dracula, definitely. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> do they talk about yeah, underpants in that book? I don't think they do. I think that's an underpants-free zone. Um, so I'm going to do the calculations here. Beep boop 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 bop beep beep. Ti eighty-three graphing calculator. Um, okay, so you'll be pleased to know 
that you're both winners because every single one of oh these my is God. game <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I was like wondering if you hacked into Colin Farrell's emails. <laughs> okay. I thought you two would either laugh or be mad, and I'm glad that no, it's- No, no, that's, no, <laughs> I mean, yeah, all right. I'm delighted. I can honestly look, thinking back, yeah, all that, all of that track, so. Again, I like that he has these sweet moments of like, I'm sorry that I offended you with my doo-doo letters. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure Nora was like, D- I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how how often would Joyce abuse the poop emoji? Oh. Oh, all the yeah. yeah. All of his text messages are eggplant, peach, doo-doo, doo-doo emoji. emoji. Yeah. yeah. Wet yeah. emoji. Wet sploosh yeah. emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but James but, Joyce, you know, like, we love you and your dirty ass. Mind. Yeah, to go all the way back to the Sun Also Rises episode, right? It's like, you're right, Maggie. Like, Joyce is like letting his freak flag fly. Uh, Hemingway is like, it's so sad that men can no longer be men. It's like, fuck off, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nobody wants a sex crier, which is totally what all of Hemingway's characters are. Oh, totally. Are. Totally. Yep. They're all just like, yeah, I'm so sad. I also have whiskey dick. Yeah. Every. Just. Yeah. No, that's right. It's like, dude, Hemingway, like your dick anxiety might be lessened if you stopped drinking so fucking much. Like, (laughs) yeah, like (laughs) you can't be that drunk and have any kind of, I mean, just interact, any interaction of any kind with another human, you know, but. Right. Without slap. You can have slap fights and that's it. Steven. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. I learned a lot about Joyce today and uh I I think this was like legitimately fun to read Ulysses. That said, I think dear audience that we are on a bit of a sabbatical from 700 page novels. <laughs> what a pleasure. Thank you. This has been better than dead. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Dusslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Better Red Pod, spelled R E A D. And email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com to vote on the same pressing question as last time. Is this novel super fun? Does it suck? Please remember that you will be hurting my personal feelings about Molly Bloom. <laughs> and that is. You know, you just have to you just have to think about whose feelings you most want to hurt among the three of us. <laughs> All of us deserve it. PS. Uh our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo and our new swag was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Thanks, Jane. Please rate and review us and subscribe. As we approach the holidays, we are gleefully going to talk about a christmas carol uh it'll be our first work by dickens and i hope the last uh <laughs> as uh, ulysses was much requested by only my dad we will also have the much requested only by our immediate fleet family members moby dick we're so excited yeah, moby yay. Dick's yay moby dick it's fun it's so fun. It's like it's, it's a pleasurable Moby. 700 pages. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's also like dick, 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 dick. Yes. Moby Dick. Less, yeah. less poop.
less, lots less poop, but sperm in geysers. (laughs) Massive. Even more than Ulysses, which is like, got plenty. All right. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Storytime. I'm South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and today I'll be reading Penguin Pete. Once upon a time, there was a colony of penguins living happily together in the Antarctic. The youngest penguin was called Pete. He was so small that the other penguins called him pint-sized Pete. Don't worry, said Pete's mother. All penguins are pint-sized when they're young. One day, you'll grow bigger, and then you'll be able to swim in the sea with the rest of them. Pete thought the grown-up penguins looked beautiful swimming in the sea. He wanted to grow up fast so he could join them. But when the penguins came back in the evening and waddled clumsily to their nesting place, Pete couldn't help laughing. They looked so funny. Grown-up penguins couldn't move about on snow and ice any better than pint-sized Pete. I'll show them a penguin can move gracefully on land, said Pete to himself. And he began practicing flipper skating every day. It was great fun. He slid about all over the ice and usually ended up on the ground with a thump. Now and then, some of the other penguins who were Pete's friends stayed home with him. Then they had a wonderful time playing hide and seek, making snow penguins, and having snowball fights. Time flew by. One day, a flock of birds landed on the patch of ice where the penguins lived. Pete marched proudly through the rows of birds. How tiny they were. He felt very big and grown up. Hello, said one of the little birds. What kind of funny bird are you? I'm a penguin, he said. My name's Pete. Pleased to meet you, Pete, said the little bird. My name's Steve. Let's have a flying race. Don't be silly, said Pete. I can't fly. Then it's time you learn, said Steve. Pete tried and tried to fly, but he couldn't. He could only jump a little way into the air. Pete and Steve were soon great friends, even if they couldn't go flying together. But Pete wanted nothing better than to fly with his friend. Although he tried to take off over and over again, his flights always ended in a crash landing. The day came when the flock of birds had to move on. There was nothing Steve could do about it. As the two friends said goodbye, big penguin tears trickled down Pete's cheeks. Never mind, Pete, Steve called as he flew away. I'm sure we'll be landing on this patch of ice again next year. Pete was very sad. But his mother knew how to cheer him up. The next morning, he was allowed to go swimming in the sea for the first time. He was very excited, though the thought of diving into the water head first was rather scary. But Pete found two ledges of ice at the water's edge. He climbed cautiously down the ledges and slid backwards into the sea.